uh, what an exciting time to see God move. Uh, we are believing, we're asking God to do that. And uh, 2016 has rolled over. I don't know how you celebrated the new year. I hope you had a great time doing so. Uh, but every year for the last eight years, at the beginning of January, we have taken a few Sundays to revisit vision and mission and our core values. And we're started with the core values. Today, we're going to focus formally on our vision here at the Gateway Church to reevaluate. And what's interesting that as I was thinking about this and praying about this is that by the time we share the vision on January, on the first Sunday of January each year, there have already been a lot of decisions that have been made. A lot of things have been set in motion because of vision. And uh, you'll probably understand this, that in our preaching schedule, what we're planning for this year, what we're planning in worship is related to our vision. Vision drives our entire budget preparation. And so we've prepared and, and we've set a budget for 2016 and we're moving forward. Vision helps us set our calendar and our structure and our strategy. How are we going to disciple people? How are we going to grow? And so vision has already impacted us as a church. And now formally, we get to share it on Vision Sunday. I was thinking about it, and, uh, and I've said this before, that Vision Sunday, the first Sunday of the year for us, is the most important Sunday of the year because it's when we get to hear again what God is calling us to do. You say, well, has anything changed in the preparation, the vision? And as I was preparing, it, you know what? God is very consistent. And the vision has not changed. Some would say, well, if it hasn't changed, then why do we need to revisit it? Isn't it redundant? Isn't it a waste of time? I've heard this before. And the answer, I believe, really comes back to our human nature, that as human beings, we have a tendency to leak vision. If we are a bucket and we're filled up with vision, there are holes in our bucket and we leak, we forget vision that once was crystal clear, dead on, we understand exactly where we were headed, now becomes fuzzy, now becomes out of focus. And it's interesting that even naturally, how many of you at one point in your life, let's just take a quick poll, had 20-20 vision? Anybody? All right, a bunch of us. Look, now, just keep your hands up, 20-20 vision. Now, if out of those that had your hands up, Put your hands down now if your vision is not 2020. All right? So something happened, right? Even this week, Reagan said, you know, my eyes don't quite seem right. And so we've got an appointment this week for my daughter to check out her vision. At one point, I had 2020 vision in high school. Oh, to have those days back, right? Without LASIK uh, vision. Although, the glasses is part of your style, right, Bobby? Right? You're going to wear it, you know, and uh, if, you, if you do it right. Well, it's interesting. Uh, just this last few weeks, uh, one of my friends, he's an 86-year-old guy. Some of you have met him at Men's Breakfast. He comes around, and uh, his name is Darrell. Well, I've been visiting him for years, and just in the last couple weeks, I always ask at the end of our time together, I say, hey, how can I pray for you? And he, he said, that, and it had shocked me. He said, he said, Ben, he said, it's crazy, the craziest thing. He says, I have been seeing double for the last couple weeks double vision. 
when he's driving, when he's watching TV, when he's looking at me, talking to me. And I'm saying that could be a good thing in some respects, I guess. I'm not sure. But his vision at one point was not double, and he needed to correct that. And needless to say, when we talk about vision, we are bringing a focus back to where things were, to understand where we are headed so it's crystal clear. We're kind of dialing it in. And again, I am passionate about our vision, and I'm passionate, especially this morning, how each and every one of us that are here fit into the vision through our individual calling on our lives. And so this morning, I want to attempt to do something to talk about vision and God's calling on our lives individually and how they tie together. The idea, the big picture for the Gateway Church that we've talked about, and in more than just the building, that's such a small piece, it will be fulfilled, I believe, by sold-out Christ followers who are fulfilling the call of God on their lives. And our role as a staff and leadership is to equip you to help you become all that God wants you to be. So let's answer the question real quick. What is vision? Vision is a picture of of the future. That's probably the most simple version of the to answer that. Although there are text and volumes of text that can talk and describe what vision is, if you boil it all down, vision is a picture of the future. The Bible says without vision what? The people perish. They cast off restraint, right? Vision is important. Vision describes where we are headed. It's the 30,000 foot view of where things are. As I was preparing, I was reminded this fall, uh, Joe Lalonde and I, we uh, made a trip up to the Pitchard Rocks up on Lake Superior. And we studied uh, some maps in kind of picking out our course from one point to the next. And we kind of had a vision of what the the journey was going to look like. But really, we didn't get a clear picture until about four or five miles into our hike when we came to the first cliff and we looked out and all what the postcards show of pictured rocks we saw for the first time. And it was magnificent. We saw a picture of what we were going to accomplish over the next, at that point, 14 or 15 hours, <laughs> which was crazy. But anyway... Um, but anyway, we saw this picture, and it wasn't the step-by-step -step that we saw. We saw the big picture, and that's what vision is. Now, the second thing is calling, and calling is related to vision, of course, but I've described it as this, finding and fulfilling your unique purpose for life. Your calling is finding and fulfilling your unique purpose for life. I believe our individual callings tie into the big picture and ultimately will advance the kingdom of God on earth. This morning we're going to see that uncovering God's most powerful and effective means to advancing his kingdom on earth is to understand our own irreplaceable personal call. 
We need to understand that, church. We need to have a a grip on that. And my desire is to unlock God's given potential in you, to uncover God's specific kingdom purpose in your life, and to walk out God's plan for your life, not what the Gateway Church does, but what you do in your life and how it connects. And for some, it's going to be starting for the first time that you're going to realize, okay, all right, God does have a purpose for my life. For others of you, you've become stuck and you need to restart and you need to get going again. And for others, it's going to be a continued plotting, uh, just kind of faithfully seeing what God has in your life. I want you to uh, look at this verse with me, Ephesians 1, verse 11. This is from the message version. I like the way it said it. It says, It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. I want to read that again. I want you to to just watch that, look at that, let it sink in. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. That's really powerful. It says, long before we first heard of Christ, He had His eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose He is working out in everything and in everyone. Isn't that a beautiful picture of God's plan for our lives? Recently in the Christmas season, we focused on the word Emmanuel, God with us, and we said, boy, it would be a waste to have something inside of us and not to utilize it. And we discussed that and kind of looked at that for two or three weeks. Well, when Christ is in us, we have purpose, don't we, church? When Christ is in us, it is in, it is in Christ that we find out who we are. And actually, before we were even formed in our mother's wombs, we were created with purpose, with a calling on each of our lives. I like what Rick Warren said in the Purpose Driven Life book, which is a classic uh, back from the early 2000s or maybe even late 1990s, I'm not sure. He said this, he said, you are not an accident. You needed to hear that. Some people need to hear that. You are not an accident. Even before the universe was created, God had you in mind, and he planned for you for his purpose. These purposes will extend far beyond the years that you will spend on earth. You were made to last forever. That's God's plan. It really describes what Ephesians 2, verse 10 says, that we are God's workmanship, created, in. Christ Jesus, to do good works which God has created in advance for us to do. Your calling. Your calling. That's one of my favorite verses. I quote that probably more than any verse. We, I talk about that when someone's considering their call to ministry or what their plan is for their lives. Young people, we often use that verse. I also look at verses like 1 Corinthians 12, 7 uh, this is, uh, that says this, Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it and everyone benefits. The call of God on our lives. The idea here, church, is that your contribution to the body of Christ within your generation, within the years that you are breathing air, is part of God's plan. And we need to understand that and to let the weight of that 
rest on our shoulders. And of course, we don't bear that alone. In fact, some may say, man, that's scary that God has a plan. And what if I mess it up, right? I mean, what if I don't get it right all the time? And the fact is, we're not going to get it right all the time, but we keep on refocusing. We keep on bringing it back to focus and we look at the big picture. In fact, as I've heard this said in many occasions, that if you're considering the call of God on your life or the vision for your life, if the vision or the call of God on your life or the plans that God has for you, however you want to describe that, if it doesn't scare you uh, even a little bit, it's probably not big enough. Because God, He wants to do far more than you can imagine in your life. He doesn't call us just to be satisfied with little he wants to take us beyond our wildest imagination and when we begin to understand god's plan his design more fully we will have have to become fully dependent on him fully dependent on him like joshua who was called and scared out of his mind joshua 1 9 the lord comes to him and says look joshua be strong and courageous right Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you, Emmanuel, wherever you go. And with that kind of encouragement, each of us has uh, has the potential to make a contribution, to make an impact. Isn't that awesome? That God, He can do that in our lives. And our job simply is to become, or to stay, I should say, pliable that we are clay in the potter's hand, that we are to remain moldable and shapeable, and God does the work. In Jeremiah chapter 18, we see a picture of this, uh, the Lord giving a message to Jeremiah, and the, the Lord says to Jeremiah, he says, go down to the shop where the clay pots and the jars are made. I will speak to you while you are there. So I did as, I, as he told me, this is Jeremiah, and I found the potter working his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. That really speaks to that our lives, if we miss it, if we don't hit it 100% all the time, the clay pot did not turn out as the potter or as the, um, uh, the craftsman had hoped. So the potter squashed the jar into a lump of clay and started again. Can you even imagine? Then the Lord gave me this message. Oh, Israel, can I not do to you as the potter has done to his clay? As the clay is in the potter's hands, so you are in my hands, says the Lord. Jeremiah 18, 1 through 6. The idea that God's relationship with us, He is the master craftsman. His role is to create and to shape us, and our role is to be pliable. Our role is to cooperate. Isaiah 64, 8 says, And yet, Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. We do not create ourselves. It's God who creates us, shapes us, molds us. And our job, again, is to be pliable, is to cooperate. 
I like what Eric Reese said in the book Shape. He says, we are not created to conform. We're not created to compare. We're not created to compete. We are not created to compromise. But we were created to contribute to God's kingdom and make a significant difference with our lives. Amen? When we're pliable, when we surrender, God wants to give us uh, uh, he wants to help us. He gives us everything we need, but it's a surrender daily, the idea that we die daily to him, trusting in God that he will not let us fall, like uh, Psalm 55, 22 says. And that is the foundation of where we begin to explore God's call on our lives. As I was sharing this, or as I was preparing, I, I, I realized that uh, at different points in my ministry here at the Gateway Church, Church, I have shared bits and pieces of my calling and related to the vision of the church. And what I want to do, and I've done this in Connect 101 many times and Connect 201, where I talk about my story, my call of God and different things. But I want to uh, share quickly my story, uh, my calling, and relate it back to the vision here at the Gateway Church, and we'll try to do that in the next uh, 15 to 20 minutes. So my calling really started back uh, when I was 11 or 12 years old. Um, at our church in Detroit, we had two weeks of revival services. The first week was planned, and the second week was spontaneous. They said, let's keep on meeting. And my family, we were there every night the first week, and we were going to be there every night the second week, and it was just the way our family was. And that second week is when God got a hold of my heart. I th often thought, man, if they wouldn't have had the second week, would I have even been called to ministry? I don't know. It probably would have, but it, God used that time in my heart, and he called me into ministry. And I started to get my feet, right feet wet right away. My first message that I ever shared uh, after I felt called to ministry, my youth pastor said, all right, if you're called to ministry, you're up. And it was like six weeks away. He actually gave me a text in James chapter 3 talking about the power of the tongue, and I studied, and I studied for hours, and I prepared. I had notes and notes and notes and notes, and I stood up in front of my youth group, and I was terrified, and I remember as, you know, I was there, and I always had this big thing. I always wanted uh, to have a drink of water, you know, like my pastor, because he, he was always a big water drinker while he's preaching, so I had a little drink of water there, and I remember I was ready to change the world, and my first message lasted a whole five minutes. <laughs> and I know some of you are wishing that I still had that within me to get it all said within five minutes. I apologize. But that was the very start. And now at that point in my life, I had a picture of what God wanted. Was it crystal clear? Did I see the whole thing? No, but I had a direction. Well, the, the distractions of this world kind of hit like normal junior high boy uh, into uh, my high school years. I was consumed with sports. I was consumed, consumed with work. I loved Ecclesi Ecclesiastes 9, 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And I was really committed to that. And, uh, and, and really what happened, I didn't fall away from the Lord. I still loved Jesus. But the call of God on my life really had started to diminish. And by my sophomore year, my vision was blurred. My calling was 
fuzzy. Maybe I had double vision. I'm not sure because I thought for sure I was either going to be a professional basketball player, and don't laugh, or I was going to be an architect making six figures by the time I was 23 years old. I used to say that. (laughs) That didn't happen. Uh, But anyway, but on a whim, in my sophomore year, as we were coming towards the end of our sophomore year in the spring, a group of my friends and I, we were out after a Sunday night church at a karaoke bar, believe it or not. I don't know why my parents let me go. But anyway, uh, we ended up deciding together on a whim, literally, on a Sunday night, first time I'd ever heard of it, we all decided, hey, let's go on a missions trip to Mexico City this summer. And it was on that trip I had no desire to, I mean, I had a desire to serve God, but it wasn't like I was compelled, like I had a real calling for Mexico or anything like that. I just, I thought it'd be fun. But God got a hold of my life again. He began to refocus my life again. And what was interesting is as I felt that call again, I said, Lord, if this is you, will you please confirm your call on my life and I'll never run from it. I'll I'll be committed to it. And halfway through our trip, and I've shared this, many of you have heard this before, a lady um, came up to me after one of the services that we were doing. She came up with an interpreter and said, while you were giving your testimony tonight, God was showing me that he was calling you into ministry. Never walk away from that. He's going to use you in powerful ways. And I remember going back to my room, writing it down. And I've never turned away. And so, God, I began to pursue ministry. I thought for sure I was going to be a youth pastor because my youth pastor was awesome. And I thought, that's what I want to be. And that was the only context I really had. I ended up in an internship uh, shortly after that, which was a 50% youth internship, 50% kids internship. And actually, as I thought about it, it was really 75% bathrooms and vacuum cleaning. (laughs) And uh, office work and 25% ministry, but that's okay. 50% youth, 50% kids, and God began to clarify the call, and I ended up going into children's ministry because of that. And it was a great experience, that internship. I learned to cut my nails and to be clean cut and to sit up straight. Pastor Michael Meyer, he would give us assignments to preach, and, and, uh, and it was amazing. I came to staff meeting one time, and I had an assignment that was due. I was supposed to give a, a message and um, a short sermonette, and I was completely unprepared. And I thought, oh, they'll give me grace. I'm in college, right? They made me stand up in the middle of our staff meeting like I normally would have at the end of the table and I was comp- I had no notes and they said well since you're not prepared just pretend that you have 10 minutes and we're all unsaved and why don't you you know try to get us saved in the next 10 minutes and I'm telling you I was sweating bullets it was horrible but it taught me to not wing it <laughs> and to be clear into lots of preparation and after college I ended up in children's ministry as many of you know and I'm work, working quickly here children's ministry really was where my aligned, heart was aligned and my abilities I ended up in Dayton Ohio and I thought I was going to be a children's pastor until my I was in my 50s because the, all the guys that I looked up to in children's ministry were all in their 40s and 50s and had been long-term children's pastors and huge ministries and I just thought that that's what it was going to be and God 
God started to clarify again, bring clarity to his call on my life, halfway through those years in Dayton, uh, we were there eight and a half years, about halfway through, the Lord started stirring in my heart again to be a church planter, to be a part of a church plant. And again, it was another click of clarity and focus was coming into my life once again. Church planting, and I, Jessica and I, we talked about it, and we kind of said, okay, that sounds exciting. Uh, it was a little scary, and we thought for sure that that would be someday down the road after our kids were out of the house and through college. Yes, we'll plant a church. That was kind of our idea, and, but our, the idea wouldn't leave our mind, and we started to pursue church planting in the state of Ohio because that's all we knew, and we were about 50% of the way through when the Gateway Church contacted us. And they said, hey, this is how they approached it. They said, we are a church plant with an advantage. They were a couple years old. They had a small core of people, and they had some good resources around that. And we stepped in, long story short, and we began as the pastors in 2006 in October, and we just celebrated nine years this last October, and it's been a ride. And uh, what's interesting is when we stepped in, as, as I look at it now, and Pastor Pale, you can acknowledge this, I mean, I was 30 years old when we came. I was greener than I ever imagined. I thought I had some things figured out. But uh, man, oh man, the last nine years, have God has chiseled and helped shape. And what's interesting is I reflect on that story. Until that point in my life, I was supporting the vision of another pastor. I, I was told early on in ministry, if you serve your pastor and you help him achieve his goals, his vision, God will help you, and you'll see all your goals and dreams fulfilled. And I really experienced that in Dayton. But at this point, now the vision, the future of the Gateway Church, this local expression of the body of Christ, was now on my responsibility. It was on my shoulders. And of course, it's God's, but God speaks to leaders, doesn't he? That's his pattern in Scripture. He doesn't delegate vision to non-leaders. He calls leaders to lead people. He gives leaders vision. And the weight of the church's future now was resting on my shoulders at 30 years old. And it was, it was something. And really what happened is the next 12 to 18 months, I, don't, I couldn't pinpoint it as I was looking back, I really began to seek the Lord it was a lot of time, it was a lot of prayer, a lot of fasting, a lot of rough drafts, a lot of meetings with leaders, kind of bouncing ideas. But the big picture, our vision at the Gateway Church began to emerge. And I want to share it with you this morning. And many of you have seen this, you've said it before. But the vision that emerged was this, that we were to be a healthy multiplying church known for making an impact in our community and in our world. That's what the Lord began to put on our heart. That was the big picture, the 30,000-foot view. And without a doubt, I was passionate. It's very personal to me. I would die for this vision. I would give my life for the sake of Christ and to see God fulfill the vision here 
at the Gateway Church. And I want to just ask you to say this with me, and then we're going to break it down. Would you say this with me? That we are called to be a healthy, multiplying church known for making an impact in our community and in our world. Now, let's break that down. To be. What does that mean? That means that this is the big picture. This is something we are becoming. This is not something where we will ever arrive. It's we are in process to be, to be. The second part, point there is that we want to be a healthy church. And when we say a healthy church, we mean healthy spiritually and physically and financially and relationally healthy. And I believe that the church health starts with the leader. And I've shared my story that over the last uh, four or five years, if I would go four or five years back now, um, I was in a place where I was not as healthy as I am today. But I believe this deeply. A healthy pastor can pastor a healthy church. And so my health, spiritually and emotionally and relationally and financially, is paramount. But listen, it boils down to each and every one of us that we would become healthy in all those areas. So we want to be healthy, but then also multiplying. Multiplying. And when we say that we want to be a multiplying church, we are saying that we believe that God wants us to grow. I believe that the Bible explains that healthy things grow. You look at the, the Word of God, and everything that was healthy grew, it blossomed. You can look at John chapter 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, that you will grow, you will be fruitful, you will multiply. And I believe that is our call here at the Gateway Church, that we will be healthy, and healthy things grow, healthy things multiply and then we say we want to be a healthy, multiplying church. Now, that doesn't mean that we want to have a healthy, multiplying building or set of buildings, does it? No, the church is the people. That's who we want to be healthy. That's what we want to be multiplying is that. And it's the church. It's the church not only with, that lives inside of each of us, the kingdom of God, but it's collectively coming together, the church. And when that happens, I believe that we will be known. Not in a prideful sense, but the idea that if our church ceased to exist, if it was plucked out and our church doors closed, would there be something missing in the community, in the world? And if there's not, we've got problems. But I believe that if we have, are adding significance, that we would be known because of our example, that we're healthy, we're growing, we're the body of Christ. And then, I love this, making an impact. We are called, church, to make an impact, to make a difference. That is really speaks to the calling of God on each of our lives that together we do that. And we're going to make an impact, I believe, 
not only in our community, which we kind of describe as West Michigan or the Lakeshore. And that, does, that means if you live in Holland or you live in Whitehall or if you live in Coopersville or Grand Rapids for that matter, all the, the, the probably you know, 40 or 50 miles radius of here, of our center point today, that God, he's called us to impact this community. That's our Jerusalem. And then to the uttermost parts of the earth, to the world, the world. And really that speaks to our missions emphasis. That means our reaching out. And I believe that a healthy church is a missions church, that we're going to continue to highlight that. That's close to my heart. Church, this is our vision. Have we arrived? No way. Has there been progress along the way? Oh, yeah. There's been progress. There are, there are uh, moments of greatness. There are other moments where it feels like we're stuck. But I believe more than ever that our vision, that our future is bright. That God has a plan for us collectively to make an impact in our community and in our world. And I love sharing it. I, it's, it's something that motivates me. I want to say our vision with us again. Say this with me. We are called to be a healthy, multiplying church known for making an impact in our community and in our world. And now what I want you to do is I want you to see, as we broke that mission or that vision statement down, I want you to ask the Lord for 2016 which of those key words or phrases resonates with you today and for this next season in your life. And this is where we're going to come back to these commitment cards, and we're going to ask the Lord to, to do something uh, together uh, here in our midst because I believe it's more than just being able to memorize a vision statement or to memorize or to see uh, a mission statement, which we're going to talk about next week, our mission, that's who we are. But what I'd like you to do is I want you to take this card out and one of the phrases or one of the words out of our vision statement, and it could be a couple different things, I want you to identify that on the back of your commitment card. I want you to, whichever one is resonating with you, and especially as you maybe consider, start asking the Lord in regards to the call of God on your life, which one is making the connection at this point in your life? And everybody should have a card with you. Everyone should have a pen in hand. And what we're going to do is I'm going to ask Pastor Bobby to come and to, to just help us to think through this. I want you to consider your calling. And I want you to know that your calling does not begin by looking inside yourself. It begins with God, with His plan. And God's plans are key. It's in Him that we find out who we are, Ephesians 1, 11. We read that earlier. And I believe that God wants to do a mighty, mighty work, even this morning, in regards to our calling, what He's called us to do, and then connecting that with our vision here at the Gateway Church. And so I want you just to take a moment as we kind of set our hearts before the Lord. For me, as I prayed through this this morning, for me, it was the word impact. 
that really stood out to me. For some of you, it may be to be. It's the idea that you're just getting started or that you're on your way. Or for some, it could be that health piece. Saying, man, I need to get healthy physically or spiritually. Or I need healthy relationships. Or I need uh, to be healthy financially. Whatever. Or it could be that, that uh, multiplying, that that could really resonate. That maybe even in your business or in your, uh, in your personal life, that there's a multiplication. Or it could be making an impact like mine. Or it could be that community saying, you know what, where I live is important. Or it could be the reaching out to the ends of the earth. Whatever it is God is putting on your heart, I want you to identify that on the piece here. Now, these are going to be perforated, and so what I'm going to ask you to do is write the word twice. So you're going to write the word here, but then also I want you to write it on the tab that you're going to keep.